Hello and welcome to George's Poetry Workshop. I'm really excited this morning because my copy of Patience Agbabi's Bloodshot Monochrome arrived. It was published quite a number of years ago um, and I started reading it. I started reading it, um, so I really started teaching it during, well, I was a full-time teacher at schools and I lo just love the poem Eat Me. And then I found it again. I found Bloodshot Monochrome in a live library on an Avon course. And I was thinking the other day, there was something missing from my shelf. And I thought, it's, it's Bloodshot Monochrome. I need to get hold of that book and have a copy of her work. So Agbabi, um, Patience Agbabi, amazing. Um, maybe I should read a little bit to start the podcast off of Eat Me, because I think it's just brilliant. Um, okay, Eat Me. When I hit 30, he brought me a cake, three layers of icing, homemade, a candle for each stone in weight. The icing was white, but the letters were pink. They said, Eat Me. And I ate, did what I was told didn't even taste it. Then he asked me to get up and walk round the bed so he could watch my broad belly wobble, hips judder like a juggernaut. The bigger the better, he'd say. I like big girls, soft girls, girls I can burrow inside with multiple chins, masses of cellulite. I was his jacuzzi, but he was my cook, my only pleasure the rush of fast food. His pleasure to watch me swell like forbidden fruit. Oh, the end as well. You need to read this, honestly. I won't give anything away. <laughs> but I really recommend finding it and, and giving the whole thing a read. Um, so today we are going to be talking about lists. And we've got a list in Eat Me, actually. I like big girls, soft girls, girls I can burrow inside with multiple chins, masses of cellulite, and it's really powerful stuff. So that's what we're going to be getting a little bit into. As usual, I'm going to start with a bit of theory, a bit of some ideas from some different poets, and then move on to giving some prompts. So I'm going to kick off with a an extract from Simon Armitage's book of lectures, Oxford Lectures, called A Vertical Art. You can listen to these online, but I have a hard copy that I got at an outspoken event in London. It must have been last early last year. And in this in this book, in this book of lectures, he writes a, an essay called On Lists, On Lists. And as part of this essay, he uses an extract from a poem called Pearl. I'm going to read the two stanzas that Armitage also uses and then talk about the importance of listing in this poem by using some of his thoughts as well. This is, I believe, Armitage's own translation of Pearl, 
we don't know who the original poet is. It was written in the medieval period. I think the 14th century. And I'll be reading 80, verses 84 and 85. So the same examples that Armitage uses in his lecture. So as I go through this, perhaps have a think about the use of listing. John had described those stones in his scriptures, so I knew their names and also their nature. I judged the first of those jewels to be jasper, found at the very bottom of the base, gleaming green on the lowest layer. Sapphire occupied the second stage, and clear crystalline chalcedony shone pure and pale on the third plane. Emerald was fourth with its glaring green finish, and finally striated sardonyx the fifth, and the ruby the sixth, exactly as, as stated by John the Apostle when depicting the Apocalypse. John also described the chrysolite, the stone which formed the seventh stage. The eighth of, was of brilliantly white beryl, a table of twin-toned topaz the ninth, a course of chrysophase the tenth, noble and elegant jacinth the eleventh, and twelfth, most trusted in times of trouble, was a plain of purple and indigo amethyst. The wall above that tiered base was jasper, glistening and glittering like glass, a vision I knew very well from the version in John the Apostle's apocalyptic scriptures. It's a lot of words that um, I'm not <laughs> entirely sure how to pronounce, honestly. Um, all of these different beautiful types of jewels. So this is a description of a citadel, Jerusalem, in Jerusalem. And Armitage writes the following. As well as bearing witness to the shining citadel, it is as if its very construction is taking place before our eyes, a methodical layer by layer building up of the palace of heaven from base to pinnacle. So here he's saying that we can actually, as we read, we can see the citadel being constructed. We get an image of all of these different layers from the very base up until the 12th in all its glistening glory. What's really interesting for us as poets is to consider why it would be useful for us to have a go at listing in this way. And it's really about building a picture for your reader or listener and letting that image grow, which is what the, the poet of Pearl does here, starting from the bottom and then building upwards and up and out. What I love about this lecture as well is that Armitage also 
writes about ideas of listing as a form of play. Now I'm just kind of flicking through the lecture to find it. Yes, here it is. So he says about the list that it leads me to wonder if there isn't something childlike about a list itself in the guileless and spontaneous enjoyment that extends from pointing, separating and itemising. So there's something very playful about listing and something very creative. So perhaps when you're writing your shopping list, <laughs> you can think of it as a creative endeavour. <laughs> might make it a little bit more fun. But it's true, you know, you can build a big picture of a human being by what they put in their shopping basket. That might be something quite fun to play around with. I'm also going to read a quick quote from W.N. Herbert's book, Writing Poetry. It's really been amazing, this book, for prompts and tips and ideas on how to write poetry. And Herbert also interviews different poets in this book. And one of them is Gillian Allnutt. And she talks about listing. She says, you could argue that list items are already incomplete poems. Sorry, incomplete sentences. <laughs> Again, it's this idea that poetry, poems, are lists. And perhaps all of them are. Perhaps all of them are lists of different images and ideas that build one huge picture by the time we get to the end of the poem. Personally, listing has really helped me in my practice because it helps me understand detail and which details are more most important to include in my pieces of work. I use them to, to build ideas of a sense of space and place all the way down to ideas of looking very intensely at one thing, so one particular object. I'm going to talk about a few examples of that now, of these of poets who have used listing in different ways. So I'll start with a, an extract from Elaine Beckett's collection, Sea Creature Regrows Entire Body. This poem is called A Few Small Deceits and it begins One parking ticket, six pints of milk, three visits to a friend who lives in the same direction, the suggestion of a last minute holiday because going away on your own can be helpful for those who feel their life is meaningless. A new screen that closes super quick, two pings that didn't mean the bank had left the message, a kiss that never happened. And the list goes on. This is a numbered list. And in this same way, in Dear Boy, her collection Dear Boy, Emily Berry does this sort of thing too with her poem Props. Props, which I'm now flicking through again to find. Here it is. It begins, three distaffs. Four swords, three pitchforks, three shepherd's crooks, apples for tree, flowers for paradise, small long-handled spade, megaphone for God, 
I'll pause there because I think that's a great line. Megaphone for God. <laughs> Fantastic. What we need to think about when it comes to these lists in poems is what the purpose of the list is. So what will your conclusion be? And I'm leaving at the moment these poems, I'm not reading them all the way through. So you can you can find them and have a look at them um, and give yourself the time to to give you a chance to think about your own messages, what you'd like to convey. Another type of poem using listing or another technique that is used as a type of list is anaphora or anaphora. I'm looking now at a poem in Jamil Breckenridge's reclamation song which uses anaphora. Anaphora is when you have multiple lines that begin in the same way. So in the poem A Few Lies About My Birth, Breckenridge uses anaphora and, and the line is the night I was born. It begins the night I was born, in a cold January, in Allahabad, they rejoiced because of my colour, the dark bark of a mango tree. Comparing my skin to my mother's shade of pale, they smiled and nodded. So I'll pause there. What's amazing about this use of anaphora, the night I was born, I know you only heard it once there, it's, it's repeated twice in this poem, is that it's a list that emphasises these lies about the speaker's birth and how, and the pain, it emphasises the pain the speaker feels about the responses around their birth. What's really fa fantastic as well, if we think about detail here, is that even though these are lies, lies about birth, these lies are very much grounded in the poem through concrete nouns. So we've got a sense of time, cold January, a place, Allahabad, and we've got this image of the dark bark of a mango tree. So listing is quite useful. It's quite useful to list using concrete things, images that we can really see to convey a sense of groundedness in the piece and we we are then in the world of the poem through through these concrete images and that's something i had to learn over a long period is that concrete seems to work better than abstract so rather than naming emotions and feelings like love or guilt or jealousy you use images to convey those emotions and images that are very much re real that we could see. So I'm also going to focus finally on one other poem and I'm using it to teach a class at the moment in, based in York and the poem is called Mama Cockroach, I Love You. 
and this is by Fiona Benson. And I'm reading this from the Forward Book of Poetry 2021. Again, such a fabulous anthology. Mama Cockroach, I love you. Latter dear. Because you cosy with the aunties in your reeking slums and are intimate and sweet. Because you begrudge no one a meal, but ooze a fecal trail to lead your commune to its source like a dirty bee. Because you are joyfully promiscuous. Because you pouch your young and hide them in the sweaty creases of the house, near separating food so they'll hatch to a feast. Or keep your eggs with you in a special purse, shaped like a kidney bean, and clutch it fast. Or reinsert them into your abdomen and womb them there, or carry them as yolks and give live birth. Then feed your pale brood secretions from your anus or your armpit glands like milk, or deep in the flesh of a rotten log, pass them a bolus of pre-digested food, mouth to mouth. I think it's unusual to, <laughs> to, to read a poem with the word anus in it, and the poem makes that word sound beautiful, <laughs> which is quite special. <laughs> um, this list is, this um, Benson here uses an aphora again, starts each line because because in the first two stanzas and then or or later on and because as well actually it reappears again later the, this is a much longer poem than, than the extract that i read again this is a wonderful way of highlighting the point the purpose of this poem why she loves the cockroach because because and also helps us to consider cockroaches in new ways i love this poem i actually stroked a cockroach once <laughs> and i learned a lot about them and how they're so important for um for the environment and they're kind of the the cleaners um of the environment they they look after everyone so oh actually i've just noticed one final one final list that I that's on a few it's a few pages along and this is interesting too because it uses a multiple choice a multiple choice structure so like those ones you'd get in kind of magazines where you'd work out what your personality was um I think girl talk maybe used to have them or I mean, they probably had it in Cosmo as well, things like that. This poem's by Reggie Clare, and it's called Uncertainties, and it's quite a devastating piece. It won the Miss Lexia Poetry Prize in 2019. And again, this is in the forward, I'm reading it from the forward book of poetry, 2021. So it starts. My sister once gave me a an ultramarine silk scarf, B, a star-shaped candlestick of clear glass, C, a guardian angel made from clay and driftwood. My sister loved, A, her family, B, her partner, C, kayaks. My sister's partner loved, A, her, B, his family, C, kayaks. 
it's it's very um yeah quite a harrowing piece actually when you when you learn what it's about and i do recommend you can find it online i believe and read a little bit about claire's um why claire wrote this and what it what it is about so as you can imagine today's prompt is focused around listing and as usual we're going to have a little brief pause now so that you can have a chance for free writing if you didn't listen to the last episode free writing is when you take seven to ten minutes to get everything out that you need to just get everything out onto the page to clear your mind and then you can begin writing a piece having kind of processed the day or the morning or the or anything you you need to over the course of the week if you haven't been writing since last week the prompt today is the moon i'm very inspired by the beautiful huge moons we've been having recently as we've as we're moving into spring so start with the moon see where it takes you and if you don't want to use the prompt you don't have to you can just spend some time writing it can be in any form, prose, poetry. You can write in a dialogue if you prefer as well. So I'll pause for three seconds now. And if you are able to pause the podcast, you have time to do that now. And then come back for the final prompt. Here goes. Welcome back if you did have that little pause for free writing. And if not... Thank you very much for staying with me to hear the final prompt. I'd like to take the opportunity at this point to say that if you're finding this workshop useful and supportive for your writing, please consider giving me the equivalent of a cup of coffee on my Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash George's Poetry Workshop. This enables me to continue creating the podcast and offer this these workshops to people who might not otherwise be able to afford them. Thank you very much in advance for your support. The final prompt today is based on the ideas of listing that we have been considering. It involves picking an object that you might not necessarily think much about but consider useful and important to your day-to-day life. Your aim will be to write a poem about this object in the form of a list and you can use any of the listing ideas that we have come across today. Build us a picture of this object. Now if you like you can use the line starter you beginning your poem with you talking directly to the object that you are writing about and use listing as a way to go into detail about this object create a piece of writing that considers the object in new ways and take something quite ordinary and makes it extraordinary or unusual So you might consider the images that you use to ground us in the world of the poem. 
you might use a numbered list to highlight details about the object. You might use a multiple choice listing like in the Claire poem we looked at earlier to offer different ways, different perspectives we might have of the object. You might also consider using anaphora or anaphora <laughs> from like um, Jamil Breckenridge or Fiona Benson as well. So now's the time to go off and have a go at writing these poems and I'd love to hear what you get up to. You can find me on Twitter at GCTheWriter or on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Georgia's Poetry Workshop. Thank you very much for joining the workshop today and many thanks again to Portamento for creating the music for this podcast. See you next time.